Welcome to the Her Inspired Journey podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Levesque. I'm here to bridge the gap for women in the outdoors, support families, and roll out your weekly dose of positive vibes. With almost two decades in the health and fitness world and an untamable passion for hunting in the outdoors, my mission is to help you move boldly in the direction of your dreams. Join us here weekly as we talk about fitness and mindset, accountability, as well as all things hunting and epic untold stories. Wait a minute. Before we jump into this episode today, I want to talk to you about Her Inspired Fitness. If you're looking to get back in shape, regain what you once had, lose some weight, or really just work on regaining your focus and motivation, head over to herinspiredfitness.com. We have some great community blog pages. We have good resources, training tools, recipes, and of course, some of our staple programs to help you get back what you once had or regain your level of fitness. Now we've got core programs. We have lower body and glute programs. We have transformation programs. And we, of course, always talk about how to maintain and sustain a healthy lifestyle for the long haul. No quick give me's, no magic wands, and no fancy pills to take. Just the good stuff that will help you truly implement and take charge of your health and your life. If you want to start living your best life right now, head to herinspiredfitness.com. All right. Well, I am stoked beyond stoked to have you on today. You are going to bring some uh, really unique perspective, I think, and, you know, like a whole uh, side of an ass kicking perspective shift for people. So uh, without further ado, welcome to the show. We've got Damon Diamore on today. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. I called a buddy of mine last night back in Virginia who I hung with. And I was like, your wife's a big fan of Courtney. Tell her I'm going to be on the podcast. <laughs> That's awesome. Perfect. Sounds good. Well, they'll have to chime in and, and hear what we talk about today. But um, before we jump in, I've got a whole bunch of notes. You are somebody whose brain I love to pick. Um, in fact, you are somebody who I really look, look up to as um, uh, just a mentor in the space of life and business and coaching. Um, you do have a business connected to that, which we will talk about. But um, I just have to say thank you because you truly do um, give me this kind of kick in the ass to change my perspective, like we were talking about before I press record, when I get into this negative mindset, or if something doesn't go my way, and I'm having a little pity party, I really do think about the words from you, I've heard you speak the conversations that we've had, and some of the stuff that you've written that just make me go, hey, I can I can flip this script around, so I know what to do with that. But tell us a little bit more about you, how things are going down in LA, and what you got going on. Thank you, and you know you're an inspiration to me also because you know sometimes I'm up here doing my thing, and then I watched you go through a horrible time in 2020, like everybody else, between like natural disasters and and all that kind of stuff. And even this morning when I said you know what's a Zoom link, and you were like nope, like super hardcore down low old school phone call and, and I'm always thinking to myself man I, I wish I had XYZ resources like I did before COVID and I'm like Courtney's up there crushing it like doing her thing so yeah you're totally inspirational to me also um, Los Angeles is a mess as you could probably see from my posts um, it's still you know California in general is like really brutal with the lockdowns um, 
something like one out of every three businesses that failed are never going to open again in LA. You drive around in busy neighborhoods like Santa Monica, where I am, and it's just looks like Baltimore and Newark in the seventies, where I grew up in Jersey, just like boarded up everywhere, graffiti, homeless people, it's out of control. Um, so I was leaving. Uh, January fifth was my twentieth year in LA, and I'm planning on moving hopefully June first. Where are you going? It is a, a toss-up right now between outside of Boise, which I know people in Idaho are going to hate the fact that Californians coming, but I am a Jersey guy. I'm not a typical Californian. So, um, and uh, so toss-up between Boise right now and outside of Salt Lake because I started looking at Boise last year for a number of reasons, and it's crazy. There's so many people flooding there and specifically renting with their families to see if they like it, that rental prices were almost doubled in some of the areas around Boise. So I have friends in Salt Lake and they said, dude, you'd love Utah. Like at least come here, like Airbnb a house for a couple, excuse me, a month and see if you like it. And then you could always be close from a dip in Idaho to look at places. But um, I'm turning 50 in a few weeks and a whole bunch of lifestyle you know, issues that you, you get, it's just, I can't be in LA, let alone California anymore. I, I need the second half of my life to be more in balance. And it's not just about working, you know, because I moved here for work when I was in the entertainment business and now it's irrelevant. I've had clients for the first time ever that I've never met and I never will, everybody's over Zoom. So I want to go somewhere where I can, don't have to get on a plane and fly somewhere to go hunt, you know, for example. Um, have some space, not have to see my neighbors if I don't want, but be within, you know, 45 minutes of a real city with, you know, real restaurants and museums and a big university and culture. And um, so, yeah, right now it's a toss up between like, like the South Jordan area of Utah and a couple of these burbs outside of Boise, like Meridian and Hidden, uh, Hidden Springs. Awesome. Well, those are a couple of very good options. Both places I frequent as much as possible. Um, Salt Lake City area can be very, very nice. The mountains there, the exploration, always opportunity for adventuring. And it's usually sunny. Like they get a ton of sunshine there. So that's a major win as well. So good. Hopefully the, uh, the quest for finding roots in the ground somewhere serves you well and you find a spot that feels just like home. Yeah, I, you know, I've been divorced now for six years uh, after my second marriage. And after the first one, it took me about a year and a half to, to meet somebody I really, really wanted to be with. And we were together for you know, nine years. Um, and now it's been six years and I haven't had a really serious relationship. And it's just, I think it has to do with the dynamics of specifically LA and being older. And um, so, you know, every morning I get my Zillow listings for, you know, houses to rent in those two places. And every night I get on Tinder or Bumble and I change my location. I look at dating opportunities. So Hey, there <laughs> you go. Sure. I'm this vision board in my head of like where I would be living with my dog and who I would be cooking dinner for that night. Sure. Honestly, I don't think that's a bad, you know, like, so I had a buddy of mine, a good friend who was single for a really long time and he played the dating field like nobody I've ever seen. And, you know, I said to him, like, maybe sometimes it's not necessarily about, you know, swiping the right direction, but finding somebody who just really, truly aligns with the things that you like to do in the environment that you like to do it. So, um, you know, putting yourself in a place that suits you maybe a little bit more for where you are at this phase of your life could be a really good opportunity to find that perfect person. So good luck in that area as well. Thank you. You know, LA in particular over the last year, year and a half, it's become a lot more divisive where unless unless somebody can clearly define where you are on a lot of issues, 
you're just angrily put into one bucket or the other. And it's really hard to have conversations with people. And I grew up in the seventies with a hardcore liberal mom and a hardcore conservative dad. And I'm pretty much in the center and on a lot of things, but in LA that puts me into like a hardcore, you know, uh, right side. Um, so I just want to go somewhere where I can walk into a coffee shop and have a conversation with somebody about anything. And you know, people just, people are just people. <laughs> when, yeah. I talk, when I talk to my friends anywhere else in the country, you know, um, none of that stuff even comes up, you know, so it's nice. Well, and it's, it's a little bit crazy because I didn't travel much growing up, you know, we didn't have a ton. So we kind of, it was local camping or whatever. We didn't do a lot. And um, it wasn't until I was like in my mid to late 20s that I started kind of traveling for work and, and stepping outside of this community. I still live to this day four driveways from where I grew up. So, oh and, it's a, and it's a tiny little town, which is fantastic. It's absolutely gorgeous, but it's Oregon. So I'll let that for, speak for itself. Um, but also you don't know what you don't know. And that's true in many areas of life, but also very true with with your surroundings and your community. Like I remember going to the Midwest and I was like, oh my gosh, people are so kind. Like everybody is so nice and they seem very genuine. And you know, then you go to other places like on the East coast and you're like, whoa, okay. <laughs> There's that part too. Um, but just getting out and like diversifying your experiences, you know, whether that's in our nation or outside of that, you know, you can just have so many different experiences, exposure to things that you just, you can't grasp until you're there having those kind of experiences. So. So does your, do your parents still live in that house for driveways away? They do. They do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So it's funny because we do family dinner every week and sometimes like right now it's, it's sunny out. So we might like walk there for dinner tonight, you know, and it's funny because it's, I mean, super duper close. We've all got a decent amount of property, but it's really close. So there was this one day we were walking down there to do family dinner and I was like going to bring a couple things for my mom. And then like I had like an elk antler she wanted. And so I've got like a couple bags of stuff. I've got like some food in my hand. I've got this elk antler and we just look like a bunch of hillbillies like walking to family dinner. But I wouldn't change it for the world. Honestly, it, I will probably be here until they decide to move and like winter somewhere else or go enjoy some tropical, warm, sunny place because they are just so fun. And in the morning, I will sit in the, the living room as my son is finally, hallelujah, going back to school after a year and a half. So I, um, so he started two weeks ago and I'll sit there in the morning and I watch him catch the bus. And about five minutes every day before the bus comes, my dad drives by to go to town to go to work. And every day he stops by and gives him a mint. And like those little tiny moments for me, like I didn't have much family growing up. I didn't have a lot of close like grandmas or grandpas or anything like that. So getting to see my kids have that experience is something like I just don't take that for granted. I soak up those moments so much and I really hope that they do as well. But, you know, being being here in this town is great. At the same time, I think sometimes if you get quote unquote stuck in a spot or you put your roots down in a place that's always been home you do limit your uh, ability to adapt to other things you know to to think because honestly when I'm thinking about like moving away as my parents leave I'm like I hope that I find somebody somewhere that feels like home like this place does 
Yeah, you know, it's funny because I wanted to leave Jersey so bad growing up for a number of reasons. And when I when I did, I only lived in New Jersey and California. And um, I would go back to see friends. And, you know, after a couple of beers, the, the folks that, you know, stayed home, were, you know, it kind of got a little bit, well, you think you're better than us because you're in Hollywood and this and that, blah, blah, blah. And I would tell them, no, people say the grass is always greener and it's not, but sometimes... It is. Sometimes you need a different perspective on things, you know, depending on what you're doing. And I drove cross country seven or eight times and I would tell them, you know, I've been through Kansas. Really nice. Don't want to live there. (laughs) I grew up up here. Really nice. Don't want to live here. Um, But I went back for my 30th year high school reunion in 2019 and to to meet the folks that like stayed there, married somebody from high school, whether or not sweethearts are hooked up later, teachers in our school, cops in our local, you know, firemen, postal workers um, that stayed. There's something I envy about that. It's like, oh my God, like this is officially your, your patch of land, right? Yeah. Um, And yeah, so there's advantages and disadvantages, but I'm hoping that wherever I go next is just like the third and final active where I wind up that I could actually, you know, own property and, and build, uh, like build a life, you know, like, like be, be really part of a community. It's hard to be part of a community in LA uh, for a number of reasons. Um, so, you know, I, I want just... I grew up in the seventies and that's I, I miss like neighbor like I don't know half my neighbors. Like nobody even said like there's a guy that walks his dog every morning when I walk W and for years I'll see him across the street and nod and say hello and wave and the guy just keeps looking forward. <laughs> it's like I live here, I'm not a threat. Like I have an old dog. Like like you're obviously live within a certain radius of myself. And um yeah, I, I just miss, you know, n- neighborhoods and communities are like going to a local football game, even if I don't let a kid in high school, just like being around normal stuff. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. So the entertainment industry brought you to LA, but what is your business now? Talk a little bit about that. Sure. So Legacy Mentor is my uh, executive coaching and mentoring business. It started out in 2016, basically focusing strictly on legacy. I had the good fortune of working with a lot of uh, large corporate CEOs and CMOs and leaders in my previous career. And one of the trends that I saw was that they would leave these businesses or sell them or have these big retirements. And then after about a year of traveling the world and kind of quote, rewarding themselves for grinding away and missing soccer games and family stuff for years, they really didn't have a purpose. And they got kind of lost in this, you know, bored, idle hands. Maybe I'll do philanthropy, maybe I'll do this. But after you're out of the game for a couple of years, even at a high level, nobody really cared. It was like, oh, I'm trying to do X, Y, Z. And their network would say, oh, well, you're just bored and now rich because you you know, you had your exit. Um, so I said, wouldn't it be great if you could use the full weight and authority of your position while you're still at these companies to start building the foundation for your legacy and philanthropy um, ideas? And that went really, really well, you know, because they have budgets, they have media exposure, um, they can lend their brand and their personality things. And that's basically what I did for the first three, four years of, of Legacy Mentor. And I, I worked mainly with uh, women as clients, just kind of it's worked out that way. Uh, about 83% of my clients in the last six years have been um, women. And, um, you know, within that became a whole lot of, you're the most resilient guy I know. Like you've been through a lot personally, professionally, like, like teach me how to be more resilient, a lot of mindset, emotional intelligence stuff. But then when the crisis hit last year, 
first COVID and then everything else that blew up, a lot of these leaders were dealing with the specific issue of controlling their own narrative or the company's narrative and losing control of it to anybody in the press, somebody on Twitter, whatever it might be. And the three core foundations of my coaching program are emotional intelligence, uh, dealing with you know mindset, trade-offs, goal setting, mm-hmm. things like that, really basically to make sure that what are we going to focus on and why? And then a whole section on resilience is a lifestyle, not just a tool to you know rebound or survive one thing. And then once you know what you're working on and why you're working on it, storytelling for stakeholders is what I call it, in that whether it's your customers or your board or your family or your, your, your employees, how do you tell a story that's engaging backed by data so that people want to advocate for you and get behind what you do? And all that fit into crisis leadership. So I've been doing mainly crisis leadership coaching for the last um, year or so with those three pillars. And then because of a whole number of factors on the corporate side, I started a mastermind just for women, for female coaches, uh, business and life coaches and female entrepreneurs and taking that big six month storytelling process and condensing it to eight or 10 weeks so that now everybody's online and it's highly competitive. And a lot of folks don't know how to message their, um, their value uh, proposition so that people can self select in order to be with them. So, I had my coaching business for corporate. I had my mastermind for women. And then I'm just finishing my first one-to-many online course about specifically goal setting because whether it's a CEO of a big company or a young entrepreneur, I do the same goal setting process to kick off every engagement. And I started doing webinars for it. And I realized, hey, you know, I do, I do webinars all the time just kind of in general. And there's lots of people who don't fit into a corporate coaching demographic or a mastermind price point, and this is a, like a low price point entry way for somebody to get like, real actionable goal setting. Um, so I'm excited about that. I'm going to like shoot it hopefully this coming weekend, and it'll probably be unteachable. I think that's the platform I'm going to use, but I haven't locked it in yet. Your business itself has been like the pinnacle of resilience because you know it seems like it's evolved quite a bit over time and you know some of that I think is demand some of it's situational like you know obviously things changed as we've spoke about in the past as 2020 hit and everything shifted for business owners whether you were corporate or like you said a small entrepreneur everything kind of had to shift so not only do you have to just in life in personal situations be able to fall back on being resilient and being strong and adaptable but you've also done that in your business which is great because so many of us and I can speak you know truly for myself as an entrepreneur who's been running a business since 2008 when we had that huge recession I was like what the hell am I doing over time you really just have to figure out like how to you know pick it up and shape it a little bit differently and make it something new to some degree so um how are things going with the masterminds now like do you see people you know similar stories like really just trying to figure out how to either find the scalability um or how to just completely like switch and do a re-navigation of what they're offering and doing actually both so i just wrapped up my third mastermind um the first week in February. And it was a combination of, uh, of clients. There were women who, uh, one, one woman had been in her, at the same company for 31 years. She went from an entry-level position to CFO. And now she's trying to figure out the next stage of her life, specifically with all the challenges she went through personally and professionally, who she can share that with and how she should do that as a coaching, as a speaking, as a writing, et cetera. Then, I, then there's other women in the program who have a small business, excuse me, 
and um, they are trying to figure out this world of something you can no longer go anywhere and do an event, speak, buy somebody coffee, like show up at a, at a WeWork and talk to people. So they're trying to figure out that messaging for like why we matter when there might be eight other people in their zip code doing the same thing, like there's eight other alignment coaches or whatever it might be that their, that their specialty is. So the storytelling thing has really weighed heavily in what they do because a lot of people think of storytelling is this kind of soft, warm, fuzzy, oh, you can tell a good story, but it's the foundation for everything. Mm-hmm. We're all walking around in the world every day as a compilation of the stories we tell ourselves in our head about who we are, how we exist in the world, interact. So if you don't have a good story backed by data that you believe, you're not going to convince anybody else to advocate or, or get behind you. So it's been a combination of both. And for me personally, you know, I, I have friends that we, we like do trade outs for coaching and in, in different areas. And the biggest, it's funny, like it's what I would tell the client, but it's always like hardest to, to take your own advice. The biggest advances I've ever had in like personal and professional endeavors are when I got out of the way in my own BS and like, you know, ego, um, thinking I put so much time and energy into this, why would I abandon it now? Even if it's not working temporarily. Mm-hmm. And co- coaching is the perfect example. When, when my first executive client hired me, I said, I'm not a coach. Like, I think coaching for the most part is BS. I see these people like running around doing X, Y, Z and like whatever. Um, but the more and more I did it, I realized I had a very specific perspective and experience. And these people weren't hiring me at a charity. It was, you know, there's real value. And the same thing last year when I started when I did the first mastermind, I was afraid to promote it on my own social media, especially LinkedIn, because I said, wow, some corporate client is going to say, wow, we paid Damon X, Y, Z. Why would somebody be able to pay him one seventh or eighth of that in order to have the same mm-hmm. access? I said, it's going to just destroy the value of my brand. But, you know, you get out of your own way and you do that and you realize you're helping people on the other side of the coaching spectrum and demographic. And also, these aren't people with 30,000 employees. <laughs> the value proposition is actually different and your other clients understand that. So, um, yeah, I hope that answers your question. But, you know, you have to... A lot of the time, I, I sit down with a piece of paper and I say, okay, pluses and minuses. Like, what? Why don't I want to do this if somebody else asked me the same situation and I would give them this advice? Why am I not taking my own advice? And it usually comes down to identity, ego, fear. Um, it's like when I was wanting to leave Wall Street. I was on Wall Street. I gained 100 pounds, had a bunch of horrible vices, was incredibly unhealthy. And after the third year, I wanted to leave. But I said, no, what, why would I do that to myself? I spent all this time and personal, you know, uh, mess in order to make this money. I got to keep making it. Otherwise, it'll be all for naught. I spent two more years there completely unhealthy. And so finally, I got to a point where I was really, I said, this is, the, there's no way out except for getting up and walking away from everything. Um, so, yeah. Um, and, and helping other people realize that if they are making big changes because of 2020 and COVID and lockdowns or their business, whatever, or personal relationships that might have failed during the lockdown, that what's the worst thing that's going to happen? And when they really, really think about it, it's just it's highly improbable that worst thing is going to happen. And and what are the consequences if it does happen? And then and then allowing them to let their own guard down and be open to embracing a new path, whatever that might be. And because I was able to go through it myself. I'm able to coach it. I'm able to, you know, share stories, some of that you've heard and read. And it's like, 
Yeah, I've, I've gotten off panels on stage pre-COVID and people would say, why would you say that? Why would you be so transparent, vulnerable, honest? And I was like, why not? Somebody took a, a day off of work and paid to come here and listen to people talk on the real side about failure and resilience or success or entrepreneurship. Like, why would I give them some flashcard meme? You know, yeah. so I, I just, I really believe that, it, you know, I've learned over and over in my life, usually in horrible lessons, that time is precious. You can't get more of it. You can't control anything. You never have time on the intentions. What do you want to do with it? And whether I'm talking to somebody at a Starbucks or somebody's paying me to coach them, like, why wouldn't I just give them everything that I have? Well, the grit and value of an authentic story and being, you know, not just selling or sharing, but really when you know that somebody has walked a similar trial to you or is facing a hurdles hurdle similar to yours or is going through absolute hell in a similar way, you connect with them. You know, you guys might be two different people, but there's this connection that unifies you and knowing like you're not alone through that thing. And the the saying misery loves company is completely accurate because, you know, it's one thing to sit there and have a pity party for yourself. If you're sitting there feeling like the worst of the worst is happening for you in your life and you get a phone call from your friend that says, hey, I have to talk to you. My life is awful all of a sudden you forget about woe is me and all you can do is help them invest in themselves or make sense of a terrible situation or be there for them so that they can vent to you you know so that misery loves company thing is really important i think to own if you're an entrepreneur a business owner um even the good stuff right having a story that helps inspire somebody because you found success um but i think really that authenticity for people can be really hard to do and it's almost like finding the fine line between sharing the wound and sharing the scar right yeah i I call it grief porn when people just share the the wound and there's like no scar and growth afterwards it's like here's this horrible thing that happened to me well what was the positive about it or what did you learn from it or what can I, what can you share it? Other experience is going to help me experience it in, in a less painful way. Or if I have to experience it as painful, this is what I should look to come out the other side. Um, it's funny. I'll tell you a brief story about undercover boss. I interviewed um, the CMO of a really large consumer brand and she was very skeptical about doing the interview because she knew she had to get personal and I'm in her office with my camera person. And I'm asking her all these probing personal questions and she's deflecting and not, you know, and at one point she says, well, you know, I grew up on a farm and it was really rough because my dad, you know, left when I was young and, you know, just my mom and X, Y, Z and blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, tell me more about that. And she looked at me and said, I don't know you. She, she was like, I, I don't know anything about you. Like, why would I just divulge all these this personal information? I said, well, one, you got to do it to get the show. But number two, okay, quid pro quo. And I tell her the story about, um, being in high school, I was working four jobs one summer in the same um, strip mall. I would go from uh, RKO Video to mailboxes, et cetera, to the drugstore, to, to, to TJ Maxx. And um, I was working like 70 hours a week over the summer as like a teenager um, and making money because I wanted to do certain things. And my mom was not well off. I, like it was things going on with my dad after the divorce. And I came home one day and she was just crying. And I said, what's the matter? And she was like, 
I don't have any money for groceries and, and your father won't send me any money right now. Um, and I had to like give her money for groceries. And like, how does that make you feel on a whole number of levels with like, you know, looking at everybody in the situation through different lenses. Um, so I said, I don't know what happened on the farm, but I can tell you, I, I've been through some serious shit. Um, and she said, okay, done. Like, I'll tell you everything. And she went through this like horrible, you know, recounting of her story, but then had a positive ending, like how she used that in order to motivate her to, to do great things and then become the chief marketing officer in this massive global company. And we left. And in the cab back to the airport, my cameraman said, or camera woman said, why would you do that? Why would you tell a total stranger? Like I said, because it's the buy-in. Like in order to get her to, to be comfortable with me, I have to show her that I'm willing to be vulnerable, not even as a producer, mm-hmm. but just as some other human being. So yeah, when people understand that you've had similar or even adjacent experiences and that you're willing to share anything about them, it brings down those walls. And some of my most intimate relationships are with people that I met super casually through business or life who the topic came up. And it was like, oh, we have seven minutes before we get into the gate for the, I just bet you in the airport lounge. Like, yeah, like I went through that or I know someone who went through mm-hmm. that. So yeah, I think it's incredibly valuable in order to be vulnerable, but, but not, like you said, not just, you know, sharing things for the sake of getting them off your chest. A lot of times I see these people or hear them speaking on podcasts, doing stories, um, and you can tell it's like their version of therapy. They're still working out these these horrible things that happen to them, which is good, but, but there's no... Um, there's no tie off to the, there's no, and then there's no actionable stuff at the end. And I think sometimes that that does a little bit more harm than good. Almost using your community as your therapist instead of using them as somebody to build and, you know, a united relationship with. I was on stage once and I, I was after there were two podcast interviews live in LA that they were taping. And the woman before me told this heart wrenching story that was, I felt so bad for her but she's obviously a resilient person she's there but there was no there was no takeaway there was no and people crying in the audience she's crying um and when I got up on stage um they started asking me about specific things and the topic came up without talking about the previous speaker initially but I was like man I'm gonna get punched in the face when I get off stage myself in the crowd because like I called it grief porn and I said you know there's this there's this trend of grief porn now where it's just what could I dump out it's the most horrible thing you know so that I can get it off my chest but unless you're gonna connect that to you know something positive at the end or something learned or something that you can share like you said like don't sell teach you know, so it's like, what could you teach somebody about that experience? It becomes, uh, not to harp on the subject, but it becomes just a bunch of brutal stuff, you know? Yeah. And you have a lot of empathy for people and compassion, but come on. Like I, I, could, I could tell that that person had not had a one-on-one with a professional, like somebody who was, you know, a licensed therapist to help them deal with that stuff, but they were totally fine getting on stage in front of 60 people, strangers, and dumping it out, and it's cathartic. But, um, yeah, I always I always try to connect things with, with a positive or a lesson at least. Even if there was nothing positive out of it, it's like, well, if you're going through this, this is what you can expect, you know? Yeah, what can you learn from it, for sure. Did you know ticks can cause life-threatening illness and disease? The great thing here is it can be prevented. No matter if you're hunting or just out on an epic adventure, you're likely to come into contact with ticks or be in tick-infested areas. 
They can be transmitted off of your body, your gear, or even your pets. I choose to use Sawyer Insect Repellent to keep my family and myself safe. Whether you're using permethrin spray, which can be put directly onto gear and will last up to six washes, or you're using the Picaridin lotion, which is kid and pet safe, by the way, you're giving yourself a huge advantage in tick prevention. Head over to Sawyer.com to see what they've got going on and get your family protected from all things ticks. We talk a lot about mindset and perspective um, in my community and, uh, you know, obviously here on the podcast. And it's something that without those things, nothing else will be in balance for you. I truly believe that unless you have an approach and framework for finding a positive mindset and being able to shift when things get bad, you really don't have a leg to stand on. You'll always be backsliding. Um, you know, that's just something I've learned over time in, in my, you know, trials and errors and hurdles through life. Um, but resilience is just like anything else. You know, having that strong mental fortitude is something that you practice and you learn and you build that skill. It's not just like, okay, here's this therapist that's going to tell you the right combination of how to stand, breathe, move, and then all of a sudden you'll be resilient right you really do have to practice that over time and something I've seen obviously we're like eight weeks in at the time of recording um, to 2021 people a lot of people are really trying to just get through the last 12 months and move forward um but I feel like this is the time where people start to go like, okay, yeah, I tried all these positive mantras or affirmations or setting good habits and goals and all this kind of stuff. But all of a sudden now we start to grasp those excuses, right? We all have excuses, but not everybody chooses to use them or use them often. But right now I really find that people are like, the investment of myself is too much, right? So I'm going to just now use that excuse, right? Maybe I'm busy, maybe that's legitimate, but now I'm going to use that as my excuse not to keep pressing forward to work on myself. Um, and something that you wrote in, a, in an article that you sent me, the article was called You're Gonna Suffer, Be Grateful, right? Which was an amazing article. And um, just your references in that were spot on and so good. Um, but you were talking about how it's not all going to be all right. You know, like it's not all going to be easy getting to the end goal for you or the, the midway goal for you, like is not going to be easy. There are things you're going to have to sacrifice choices. You're going to have to make give up, uh, you know, shift off to the back burner, that kind of thing. It's going to go down. Here's how you do it. Let's talk about that article that you wrote. And um, obviously you can give us the backstory of how that all kind of came up. But I think that there's so much power that you shared in that article specifically. Thank you. Yeah. And I was reluctant to post it because it wasn't, you know, like leadership, personal development, corporate stuff. And we came from a really raw place, but it's still the most cited, like shared. I get people once every few months that just find it on my site and email me about it. Um, I had a, a good friend um, attempt to commit suicide. Thank God he, he messed it up. But um, he called me, he's telling me the story. And, you know, I'm a big Jordan Peterson fan. And I, I took a 30-hour class that he did about belief systems. It's a long story, but he's, he's, he's you know, he's a very um, polarizing figure because people have associated certain politics with him. But at the end of this 30-hour course is 15 minutes where he wraps up with his college students 
why you should try to be a good person and always persist through chaos because there's always going to be chaos. There's, there's always going to be things that you can't control. And either way, what else do you have to do except try to like pick yourself up and fight? And if you keep fighting through it, at some point, you might learn something that helps you fight it a little bit better and you might get above sea level again. So the point of that, that post was... Yeah, like, I'm, I'm an optimist, but I'm a pragmatic optimist. I believe that optimism is waking up every morning and saying, man, stuff's going to go probably really horribly wrong. Stuff's going to hurt today. Um, but I've been through horrible things before. I know that I'm resilient. I know I'm going to be okay. And I know that I'm going to survive it. And I've had the capability to thrive, even though things go in cycles. So no matter how bad things are now, they're going to come back around again, but you still got to wake up every day and get in the fight. And, you know, I use this example from the movie Taken, um, which you saw in the article. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, it's like, I I get so sad when I hear people tell me like they're they're at the end of their line, not even with something as drastic as suicide, but, you know, something they're pursuing or a relationship they're in. And I always say like, who told you that trees grow to the sky forever? Like, like, who told you that like, life is a Gilmore Girls episode of the relationship? Like, like, life is hard. You can always count on the hard. Um, and if you're lucky, you have a lot of great experiences, like, in between those things. But, man, how many people in worse off situations that you're not even thinking of would kill to have your problems right now? Mm-hmm. You know? And, and that's it's all about perspective. You know? And I think back to when I was at my lowest points, and I was, you know really in a really bad place in 2015 I've talked about it sometimes but I, where I never thought I was capable of being because I never understood how somebody could like, like take their own life but it, 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 I got to that place and um, it's terrifying and uh, but then you realize like it, it, it could always be worse which isn't a justification but when you think about when you think about how bad things are I guarantee if you sat there in your misery in the dark, you could think of two or three things that could make that situation worse. And then you've got to be grateful for the fact that you're suffering where you are now than suffering in some worse place. And if things get to that worst place, it could always be worse. I have a good friend in the special operations community who's retired and he was uh, on a solo mission doing XYZ in a very mountainous region and it was freezing and he missed his uh, his uh, helicopter that was picking him up on the top of this mountain by like 10 minutes or something and because of weather they couldn't come in for 24 hours he had no water no shelter no anything he was a really tough guy and he said to himself he started crying this like superhero on top of this mountain by himself he said I'm going to die because I was 10 minutes late like I'm going to freeze to death tonight and um he got to a point when he stopped crying that he, he set his watch for one minute increments and then, but it got dark out and said, I got to survive into the minute. Mm. I, I got I to live to 1043, you know, done 1044, 1045. And after a bit, he was like two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes until the sun came back up. And it's like, as bad as you think it is, it can always be worse. So why not be grateful for the fact that, that, you're still in the fight. Even if you don't think you are, it's all about perspective. Like you need to be grateful for the fact that, that you still have power to affect your situation, even when you feel powerless. I, I don't know if that's the angle you were, what you wanted me to get at, but please ask me anything because 
I want to be able to, you know, talk about it. Uh, that's such a, that's such a powerful perspective to think about that. And I was, um, recently I had put out a, an article and I was talking about, you know, sometimes when we look at the big picture of life, uh, whether life's going well or not, it can get overwhelming, you know, think about, you know, I'm somebody who has a tendency to overwrite. I actually have a sticky note up on my wall right in front of me every single day at my desk that says stop over committing. So I'm somebody who can write this giant to do list and go, yeah, you can get all that done. You need to get all that done. If you don't, you know, what do you really accomplish today? You know, I can put too much on my plate. So sometimes when we're looking at that big picture, we can get overwhelmed with how we'll ever reach the end of the day or how we'll ever get dinner on the table or hit the financial goal in our business um, or whatever it looks like to you. But I was talking in this article about like breaking your day or your week or your month up, breaking your goals up into these small games, right? Think about, you know, the different periods of a game. Okay, I'm going to win this 15 minutes right now. And then I'm going to go to the next 15 minutes instead of trying to sit there and overwhelm your brain with this giant, massive, you know, expectation of what you should get done, break it down. But his, his story about taking it survival, literal survival, one minute at a time, put some pretty big perspective into just how real that can be, not in goal setting or achievement, but in life and living. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, you know, and it's funny because another drug he just referenced, he always says one of his rules for life is to clean your room. And, you know, when, when you talk to people who everything's wrong, he talks, he talks about, okay, well, your room's a mess. Like, you don't even have to clean everything. Like, go to your closet. Don't even think about the closet. Take the bottom right quadrant of your closet and put it in order. If you do, you will get a dopamine hit and you will feel better. And it, 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 it will compound... Uh, on each on itself when you do the lower quadrant and the left tomorrow and then the upper and then after a week and a half like your your one room in your house is actually clean you feel good about something it's like you know i've i've had people in my family who i love but i've watched them have a victim mentality their whole life and never take control not just of their own life but of their perspective on their life and it's so tragic that i i end that article with it change your perspective. You might think that everything is out of your control. Those all these bad actors that are, you know, marionetting you through all their trials in life. But it's the most basic stoic principle. You, you can't control anything except your perception to events and then how you react to them. So, like, own it. Own the one thing that nobody can change your perspective. I don't care if you act like Walter Mitty. If you're living in a fantasy <laughs> land in order to survive. Like, I, I had a debate with somebody in my family once because I have a family member who's... Um, you know, mentally um, challenged, and he lives in a as an adult in a, in a group home. And he would tell his friends in the group home that his nephew works in Hollywood. You know, and I did some I work with really cool people like Al Pacino and some things, but I ran out of stories to tell him. So, you know, he called me and say, "Hey, what's how's it going in LA?" I said, "You'll never believe this." Like, I was at the grocery store, and Janet Jackson was like in the cereal aisle, and I got to meet her, and he'd like. Be so happy and go tell his friends at their lunch hour or whatever. And my mom calls me one day and she says something like, you know, did you tell 
your uncle that like you saw Justin Timberlake walking your dog or something? And I was like, yeah, why? She's like, do you know how cruel that is to lie to him? I said, he's living in a world in his head where it makes him happy when no other circumstance in his life should, should give him joy. And he's sharing that joy with a bunch of other people trapped in this home in their own misery that it makes them happy. So yeah, like take control of your perspective. I don't like lie to yourself if you have to in order to tell yourself things are okay, but at least turn that line to some actionable, positive uh, uh, thing that you do. Like, you know, you need to translate it into real action. And then over time, you know, your perspective will realign with reality, but never let somebody else control your perspective. I mean, you read things like Victor Frankl, I'm like, it could be so much, so much worse. You yeah. read about these women getting kidnapped in Nigeria and like the horrible stuff they go through. And it's like, oh my, which brings me back to my general principle having coached, you know, a lot of women at this point, different, you know, a lot of leadership positions and they've all experienced some sort of trauma or, um, or, or other abuse. Um, the majority of them have. It's that I assert to this day, I will, I will fight on this hill that women are so much tougher than men in, in, in every, in every area. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I hear my clients or, or women that I mentor on the side, um, talk about, you know, things in like a negative, uh, way. It's like, I can never go through what you went through. Like a lot of people couldn't. So, you know, it's, you got to change your perspective. That's, that's the whole point of the article is that you see, you see no progress because you've been doing the same thing for a while. But if it's, if it's the best thing you can be doing, it is progress. As long as you're doing what you can, the best thing you could be doing, you might do it for a month. You might do it for a year. Like, you know, but what's the alternative? You know, sitting there with a bottle or something worse, you know, and, and just, you know, woe is me. All these forces are stacked against me. It just makes me so angry. Like, you know, it's a gift to be to wake up every day and be able to fight <laughs> through your life. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've had, I've had a lot of friends and that die in horrible, sudden, violent ways and uh, no control <laughs> over, over anything. It's like I could walk out of the house and get hit by a car. I could get struck by lightning. I could wake up like people I grew up with, some of them, and you know, have stage four cancer, God forbid. It's like, you know, like why wouldn't you fight? Like it's just, uh, it's just indignation is like a superpower. And I've, I've talked about it recently a lot because I talked about it in an interview and I'm writing an article on about, about it with my friend Tony Blower, who's a coach, who's a coach and an expert in fear. Um, is that you need to get indignant about your place in the world when other people or circumstances you think are lined up against you. It's like, how dare you think that I don't deserve that opportunity that, that, you know, that something's wrong with me that somehow, you know, karmic balances off and bad things always happen to me. Um, you need to challenge all that and get angry about it. And, and that, that anger, you need to turn that into a positive motivation. And you do that, like you said, by setting very small goals. Like, so if you can go to bed and check off one thing that you positively did today, even if it's one of 20 steps towards your goal, you're ahead of so many other people who are wallowing in misery. Sure. Like, you know, and you don't realize it, but you're controlling your own perspective and you're telling yourself a story. And every day that you do that continuously, you're building on that story. So, so there has to be a difference between being resilient and learning how to roll through the punches and having a tactical approach to moving forward and then knowing when you need to like 
fold it, right? So where is this, you know, we can't keep beating our head against a wall if somebody's trying to do something and the result is just never there. Like, when do you know when to just like call it quits and shift your focus or when to continue to be resilient? So I, I call it, you know, the, the fighting windmill, um, fighting windmills syndrome, where you know, when I raised money for my venture capital fund, it was, I pitched the first 300 or so investors to have an Excel sheet. I got a bunch of no's and people said, you're doing the wrong thing, X, Y, Z. I said, no, they don't get it. But then I found people who did get it. But it was all, it wasn't really the fantasy. It was, hey, I have data supporting why this should work. It just happens the first 200 people were the people I should talk to. But it has to do with being really honest. Like the biggest decisions I've ever made in my life, personally, professionally, to move on were really big gut checks that were emotional decisions, but I don't mean emotional in the snap decision. I mean emotional in the sense that I look myself in the mirror and like it or not, 100% honest with myself. So people have to have the capacity, which most people don't, they're not comfortable with it, is admitting their faults, their failures, owning their, their you know, stuff in relationships or work or, or their faults. And um, that's, like, if you wake up every day and you're honestly doing everything you can still towards pushing some goal or pushing to some results and it's not working, you keep going until you're doing things that aren't productive or realistic, you know? Um, and, uh, like, I always quote Rocky as this example, you know, people... Rocky one is one of my favorite movies and you ask people what's this lesson of Rocky and they say well you know anybody can be the champ and I said no that's not the point like Rocky lost the, the champ in the first movie you know he says out loud that his, his purpose was to just exist like, like to last the distance so that he could prove to himself he belongs like to be a man to walk this world and like own it um, because in the beginning of that movie he's fighting some slob and he gets beaten up and he goes home and he's icing his face and he looks in the mirror and he's got a picture of himself as a kid who's like a beautiful you know 13 year old boy unscarred so much potential and he looks at himself and you can hear it because he says it later he's like I'm a bum you know, like mm-hmm. I need to do something to change my life. And what did he do? He took on an impossible task, which is what we talked about 10 minutes ago. You fight through the chaos. You fight through the malevolence. You fight through all the odds act against you because you can, because you're blessed with the opportunity to. So, you know, resilience is one thing. Being delusional is another. But if you're constantly marking your progress towards things that you're honest with yourself or actual progress and not fake stuff, you know, um, then you keep moving until until you can no longer measurably make real progress that is honestly uh, in service of your bigger goal. Mm-hmm. And then you have and then you have to say, okay, like I've had to shut down companies when they didn't work, I had to walk away from relationships that didn't work. Um, it's uh, it's really really tough. And as a tourist and an Italian guy, it's like. Like, I will keep pushing my head through the wall until I either bust my skull or get through the wall. And that's been a real big strength a lot of part of my life. But there are certain things, for example, marriages that aren't working out, where you, you can't just sheer force of will, you know, sure. change the situation. And it's really, really painful. It's like, oh, man, like, I fail at big stuff in life just like other people do. And, um, and you don't want to admit it. But you have to because that's where the growth comes from. I was never a great communicator because of the way that I grew up. And my first marriage was a, was a whole big, you know, uh, master's course on poor communication in the relationship. Um, so that I worked through it with therapy and a lot of things. So by my second marriage, 
as a master communicator. We, we never had a, a, a raise our voice argument in like eight and a half, nine years, which was also probably, I learned a lesson, not a good thing. You got to be able to scream and get it out sometimes. But um, yeah, you have to go, you, you have to have those moments honest with yourself where you let go is this phrase I love hold on tightly let go lightly like when you're when you're into something you're all in you know you wrap it up you, you hold it in tight but when it's time to let it go you just gotta release it you just gotta let it go and then let the wave of you know regret shame ownership ego all that stuff let it hit you and have your pity party but then you then you get up and you move on and you find something positive and and who cares what other people say or think? Like, nobody walks, walks your path. You know, I've had people criticize me for certain decisions I've made in my life. And it's like, you have no idea. You literally have no idea, like, what it's like to be literally alone, <laughs> you know, and have to face yourself and be like, the only, the only person I'm accountable to now is myself. Am I going to do right by, by myself or am I not? And if I'm not, what's the point of even doing it? You know, and it's a hard, emotional, painful conversation to have. Well, and it can be really hard to detach the ego that's associated with proving whatever it is that you're working for, you know? So, yes. yeah, you have to recognize, yeah, okay, I'm not, nothing is working. This, I've tried the same thing, or I've tried, you know, reaching out, broadening my horizons, learning something new, but it's not working. Like, sometimes you have to, especially in really strong-minded people, you have to detach the ego that's just there to prove that you can make it happen. Yeah, and I've had to do it, you know. Even, you know, last year, I, you know, and COVID, that I lost most of my business when corporate things fell apart. Like, it was a horrible, like, first quarter last year. Um, and uh, all my friends would call me and say, oh, my God, I'm going through all this horrible stuff. I need to talk to you. And I'd be there for them in order to say, or clients or whatever it might be. Um, and nobody asked me how I was doing. <laughs> I said this something the other day. And, you know, finally... You know, I said to somebody, I said, Yo, you can ask me how I am. And they said, dude, you're fine. Like, you're yeah. Mr. Resilience. Like, you're the guy we all look like. Like, like you're the one nobody worries about. Yeah. You know, they always said, like, well, we don't worry about you. We know you'd be okay. It's like, no, man, I'm still here, like, eating a tub of ice cream, crying for 48 hours. Because, like, things are like, like, even on the resilience guy, you still have to go through the loop. You still have to yes. go through the process. I might be able to control it and, you know, turn it into positives and work through it, but Absolutely. I'm, I'm still a person. And that's also what hits your ego. It's like, wow, if I tell these people this to be vulnerable, are they going to think less of me and then trust me less when they have their problems personally, professionally. So look for somebody to help them be resilient. And it's like, no, like and if they do, then they're not emotionally intelligent and they're not people I should be working with or friends with anyway, because nobody's, you know, just a, a robot. Um, but it's hard. It's a hard hit to the ego. And it's just different for men and women, but it's like, it, but, it, but it hits everybody. Um, you know, uh, I, a friend of mine recently found out that somebody she was in a relationship for seven years with was actually married to somebody else. Um, and this, this overwhelming shame and how could I be hoodwinked and this and that? And I said, are you crazy? This is all on them and on you. You know, it's like, this happens to lots of people. It's like, you're not some, you know, broken person that is totally blind. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, you know, you need the emotional honesty and you need to be able to put ego aside. And the best way to do that, like forgetting about having a coach, like have somebody in your life who what I call is on your do not disappoint list. Like, like 
how would it feel if you disappointed somebody? And, and if it feels really horrible, that's the person you should be able to talk to and say, hey, take as many shots as you want. Be brutally honest with me about the mistakes I'm making now or what I'm not doing right and let them attack your ego because it comes from a place where you respect the source of the feedback. And I have my own, you know, really short, you know, point list for different areas of my life. And, um, yeah, like I, I thought about it long enough about like really disappointing one of these people for whatever reason it is that they're on the list. I'd be sitting here crying like a baby in five minutes, you know, because it's just real. Yeah. So yeah. you, know, you, you got to have people you're accountable to, um, uh, not just practically, but you need to have people you're accountable to emotionally, um, which is hard for hard for people. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, that's there's so much value in that and just having those real. Uh, conversations and the people the friends the mentors in your life who you can go to with whatever it is and they can say okay are you ready like here's the conversation that that you need to hear not what you want to hear not what's going to help you feel better in this moment not yeah it'll all work out in the end you know which sure I'm sure it does but you know you have to have those those people that will shake your reality sometimes and help you see a different perspective and you are one of those people for me Damon <laughs> oh well, thank you and, you know it's funny because usually it does work out but you need somebody to tell you hey it, it doesn't always like one of my favorite quotes is by my chairman now and it's you know, it's always darkest right before it goes completely black. So it's not like somebody's darkest before dawn, you know? So there are times where, hey, like, like this could be the end of something, a relationship, a business, like whatever it might be. But uh, like every beginning does has an end. Trees, trees don't grow to the sky, you know? Um, even if you're in some perfect situation, you're not going to live forever. It can't go on forever. Like circumstances externally and internally change. So, um, that you need somebody, whether it's a therapist, a friend, um, anyone like growing up, I didn't, I did not, even though he was still in my life, I did not have a male role model. I didn't have any brothers. I had three sisters and a mom and like, nobody taught me how to like throw football or like do dude stuff or, you know, <laughs> like I am talking a locker room or, or, or do anything. Um, so, you know, it was the seventies and the eighties and like I built this like a, a, emotional do not disappoint like mentor in my head from pieces of movies and books and comic books and friends, dads or brothers or hip hop has been part of my life still is like I put together this vision board of like who would be my ultimate mentor that when I have things happen in life, this is how I handled the relationships. I handled my first work opportunity school. You know, this is how I handled being honest with myself that I didn't work hard enough as I could. And that's why I got Mm -hmm. C or D or didn't get into X, Y, Z or make the team. Like, you know, you need that emotional accountability. It's hard, but if, if you, if you have it and you're honest with yourself, Great things can happen even if you don't reach your goal. Like that's a lesson of Rocky, you know? He, he was able to exist in the world and then be the shining beacon of character to Adrian, you know? He, he, his, his goal wasn't didn't be the champ, but he found his partner for life out of the process because he was a strong foundation now of, of a real person, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're awesome. Super thought provoking conversation. Uh, I know people are going to want to reach out and just see a little bit more from you, get an idea of what you do. And of course, be uh, pervy to any of the mastermind stuff that you have coming up. There are definitely lots of entrepreneurs that listen in. So where can people reach out and get more from you, Damon? So my Instagram page uh, for work is Legacy Mentor Official. 
Um, um, I, I don't really have a, like, I have a personal one, but it's not relevant. Uh, Legacy Mentor official Instagram is a great place to DM me. Find me on LinkedIn. It's just LinkedIn slash my name, Damon Demore, without the apostrophe. My website is legacymentor.co not com legacymentor.co if they want to fill out a contact form and, and get my email there um, and the mastermind for women is legacymentormethod.com um, but yeah I mean LinkedIn Instagram hit me up uh, anywhere I'm happy to chat with, with anybody that has you know, good or bad reactions to anything I've said <laughs> <laughs> good or bad he's welcoming it all and yeah. And he's open and ready for ladies in the Salt Lake or Boise area, it sounds like. <laughs> it's funny, I, I showed a, a profile to my therapist recently that I screenshotted, and I said, I said, you know, uh, this is my perfect demographic for like what I want in a relationship in life, and it's like, oh, she's all hunting and she's doing Pilates and XYZ, and, um, and uh, I said I screenshot it because it's like if I get there and they're no longer on Bumble, I'll just like stand up in a in a Starbucks and be like, "Who knows Jenny?" She's yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, maybe um, she listens to the show, so that would be perfect. Yeah, no, believe. Thank you so much for having me. And, um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I don't know. It's um, it's a pleasure, and I, I get so much joy when you come across my feed, just like seeing you crushing it and like taking on these challenges. And like always, like I remember seeing the, your posts from we, we talked right before your vacation when you were having you know some serious challenges. Then you had all these breakthroughs. It's like if you keep pushing through whatever that wall is that you think is so bad, it's going to get so much better, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Or it doesn't, and you pivot and you move forward. Either way exactly it's a blessing just to be able to get up and fight through it you know definitely well thanks again for coming on the show i appreciate your time we'll definitely have to do this again at some point soon thank you once again thank you for tuning into the show we hope that your cup is full and you're ready to embrace your untamable vibe if you enjoyed the show could you do us a favor help us grow our audience by sharing your favorite episode on social media sending the episode to a friend and leaving us a review online we love to hear from you one more thing be sure to press that subscribe button and never miss a weekly episode see you next week